Welcome to episode 47 of the Book Wars Pod. I'm Kate and I'm here with Chris and Kristen and today we are discussing Ken Liu's uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker. Usually we don't go middle grade on this podcast but we heard so many good things about it that we like obviously I had to read it and it was real good so I'm not mad about it. <laughs> um, but before we get started what are we all drinking today? You can Kristen do- you go first. Oh yeah I'm having it right here. Because that's, like, the only thing that's left in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, we've got, like, absolutely nothing except, like, straight scotch. And I'm not in a scotch mood, so I'm having tea. Chris, we have wine, like, coming out our asses. We do, but you're not drinking right now. and So I don't want to open a bottle of wine that I'm not going to be able to finish by myself. Because okay. I don't want to go hard tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Keeks. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> it's Monday, y'all. We're recording this on a Monday. I know. Which is... Yeah, it's the opposite of our Friday recordings. We're all high as fuck. I know. We're like just so depressed. Stop rustling this fucking paintbrush wrapper. Stop it. Oh my god. What? He's got. Like... I don't want to know. I don't want to know. What kind of tea are you drinking? I'm drinking green tea. Good one. <laughs> and um, I can't drink right now because I am on antibiotics. So I am also having tea, and it's the the tea Chris hates. That's honeysuckle tea or whatever the heck um yeah it's just a bunch of flowers and then yeah it tastes like flowers and then and then you steep it in some 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 hot water for a while and it gets all mushy and then it's gross but you know it tastes good (laughs) (laughs) uh excellent (laughs) we're Um, like shall we star wars oh Oh my god (laughs) (laughs) what you sound like you want to die right now. I don't. I'm just tired. I'm just. I tired. know. That's why it's funny. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> What's Star okay. Wars? I uh, love Star Wars. Do you? Do you? Th- oh, I God. do. This is gonna I do. be the enthusiasm is palpable. <laughs> I think I read this book in like two sittings or three sittings. Oh yeah, same. So kind of long for a middle grade book, eh? It was, but I mean, you think about like shit like Harry Potter. I mean, yeah, true. Harry, God, like... Harry Potter's so fucking long. I know, and then like, and also the first the first part of the first book is really fucking boring until you get to Hogwarts. So <laughs> it's so hard to get through. <laughs> it's uh, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> um, oh, it's so real, and you're like, how did he like not fucking figure it out, this dummy? <laughs> it's like there's six <laughs> other books. Come on. <laughs> Harry Potter always just annoys the shit out of me because he's such a damn jock. And it's like, oh, "Oh, I had no idea wizards existed. But now I get to do all these magical things that I thought were impossible growing up. And I'm going to slack my way through school doing it. And I'm just like, you fuck. Of course. And literally all he cares about is sports ball. (laughs) Yep. Just so much Quidditch talk. He's such a fuck. It's so great. Speaking speaking of Quidditch, um, where and when are we in the universe? (laughs) My favorite question. (laughs) well Uh, we're on a ship um it's like a smuggling contraband ship 
Probably, I think, right? It's illegal. Clear if it's like a, a, a smuggling vessel or a legit merchant vessel, but I get the feeling it's a little bit of both. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's going to Canto Bite, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I thought too. Well, and then the, they get boarded, and they're oh, we're talking about the whole thing, just to be clear. Um, and then they get boarded, and the the our our character friends whose names I don't know, um, <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, they're getting ready to like grease their palms, so that right, we can exactly. just go and do whatever we want yeah yes so right so um in the present day in, in those interludes we are oh on... yeah that's that's what's present day though so i think that is it mu- i think it's just before i feel like it has to be before force awakens mm-hmm. right Chris? okay yeah my interpretation was it was is that it's before all the shit starts going down Okay, in so that era. so bloodline before or after Phasma, give or take. Oh, okay. I'm, I, that's that's kind of where I place it. I don't think it matters, to be honest. I okay. don't know that they know, and I don't think it matters. Okay, but it yeah. matters to Kristen. I know it matters <laughs> oh, to me I mean, too. We're gonna fine. we're gonna get to like how much this book does or doesn't matter. Like, oh my God, you. Um, but okay. but yeah, I think I I'm pegging it around Phasma. Okay, cool. so. Are you pegging it? Um, so we're on the wayward current. We were talking about a children's book today. Did you know, guys? Not even drinking. Um, <laughs> we're on the wayward current, which is a um, a cargo ship of some sort going to Cantonica to drop off fathers at Canto Bite so they can be raced and have a sad life, as we find out in The Last Jedi. Um, my question, though, is what time span do we think the, the story is about Luke? themselves cover and what how old is he like in these stories because the first one that um what is the cook's name dwogan 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 yeah okay the the first one that she tells it's like where she um thinks or it's suggested that she runs into luke it sounds like he's older but not in exile yet Mm -hmm. because he's like all he sounds like he's all beardly and grizzled and sitting in the corner and being an old man laughing at idiots. Um, but in the other ones, he seems younger. It seems like he's um, probably in the, like, I don't know, 10 years post-Return of the Jedi. So does um, that make him, like, early 30s? Uh, yeah, well, Return of the Jedi, he was 23. Yeah, yeah so, so early yeah. 30s. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I had yeah, I, that out in my head. It's it's all good no math is hard um it, math is always hard but uh yeah kate i think i got kind of like the same feel like it was helpful whenever they talked about his like facial hair <laughs> I was actually like, yes how much how much beard he have <laughs> totally totally um but yeah i I'll... just associate him getting older with having a beard yeah for I some think, reason but I... I think that's normal yeah and also i mean i mean He's, he's not bearded in Return of the Jedi, and then he is bearded at the end of The Force Awakens, so I think that's a fair sure. assumption. <laughs> right. Um, and it and and he's, actually, he's bearded in the flashbacks where he's training Ben, so. Yes, it's true. True. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely feels like the majority of these stories take place before um, Ben becomes his apprentice, so. Because otherwise, why would he just be flotsing around the galaxy by himself? Uh, I think the stories themselves all take place well, you know, 
before, certainly well before Bloodline, pro- probably more in the closer to Aftermath than Bloodline, certainly. Yeah, I mean, one of them takes place right after the Battle of Jakku, so. Yeah. Um, there we go. Um, and then just, we, we don't see a lot, honestly, of the, of the kids on the ship, um, because obviously the focus is mostly on the stories about Luke, but, um, just wondering, like, what things we can glean from their lives, um, to talk about what life is like in the galaxy after the Galactic Civil War, because, of course, um, the New Republic rolls in, and they have all these shiny ideals, you know, they've swept away the Empire, um, they're gonna, you know restore um justice of the galaxy and hopefully get rid of all this slavery and stuff but yeah there's a lot of still a lot of seedy shit going on smugglers gonna smuggle right and then like some of the kids well at least one of the kids mentioned that they um escaped slavery and one of them like her parents were former imperials and stuff like that yeah seems like a whole lot of uh kind of well and it sounds like they kind of like adopt like the the captain kind of adopted people who um excuse me um sounded like they it kind of he had kind of adopted people who they could like pay fucking nothing um yeah and so it's basically i mean i think we're getting probably like kind of a typical picture of the galaxy but also like people who are kind of down on their luck relatively speaking Right, definitely. Um, I just think it's interesting that I, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but the captain is a hut, so like the huts are still around. Oh, was the captain a hut? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I think you. I think he was. Um, Shannon or Nancy can come scream at us when uh, when they come on the show for wrong. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they're still around. Like child labor still exists. It's just you know, obviously we're the, these ships are coming in from the outer rim, but it's it's. Interesting to see that even before it all falls apart and the First Order rises, like, the stuff is not super good. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think that that's something we saw in Bloodline and to an extent in Canto Bite in The Last Jedi. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, it's just interesting to get it from a kid's perspective this time, though. Because, oh, like, yeah. You know, these, these kids were born after the war and they don't know anything else besides this. And they don't know what the all the shiny ideals were back in the day. Yeah, Tomb of the Hut is the captain. Thank you. Which was on, like, page one, so... Yeah, that's why I missed it. I also missed it. Okay, wow, guys. <laughs> did you just did you just Kindle search the word hut? Sure did. Nice. <laughs> Nailed that's it. That's why I... It's not why I read the books with the Kindle, but it is a nice feature. Guys, I have reading comprehension. Can I get I a gold don't. star for today? Yes. <laughs> for the reading. Kate gets, two gold, Kate gets two gold stars, please. Chris just bought me in the forehead. I was giving you a gold star. Now there's a gold star on your forehead. Chris hit me. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> okay, that's a lie. Chris has never hit me in his life. Um, okay. Yes. Put down the phone, Andrew. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> At Andrew Bina, she's always threatening to call, to fake threatening to call the cops on us. <laughs> um, that's understandable. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, man. All right. Um, all right. So... This book is obviously called Legends of Luke Skywalker, and it's not actually the first time on this podcast that we've been reading books with a more of a mythical folkloric sort of bent. We definitely saw that throughout Phasma. Um, this basically, the way the story was framed was that we had a narrator who was telling Phasma's story, but even she had heard of Phasma's story through somebody else. 
Um, and that we, of course, we have a similar effect going on here. Um, the framing for a lot of the stories in Legends of Luke Skywalker, um, the, narr- the the whoever's narrating them, uh, they tell us that the, the story was handed down from someone else and so on and so on. Um, so I just want to talk about the nature of legend and folklore and storytelling um, in the galaxy far, far away and then how that compares to storytelling in our universe. So um, the first question I have is how quickly do we think things pass into quote unquote legend into our world? Because in Star Wars, on like first brush, it seems like it happens pretty quickly. Um, so there's about 20 years between Order 66, for example, and A New Hope, and people already think that the Jedi didn't exist and they weren't real. And part of that, of course, was um, Imperial propaganda and information suppression. But um, it's just kind of interesting how everyone forgets that the Jedi were actually a thing, even though the Jedi Order existed for over a thousand years. And then um, we have the time jump between... Um, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, which is 30-odd years. And, again, uh, people don't believe that Luke Skywalker actually existed. And so we have these stories instead. So does this seem like the right amount of time compared to um, reality that um, this happens with historical events? Or does it seem really short for some reason? Or how do you guys feel about this? I mean, I would say that it feels short, except that, you know, we've got all this shit coming out the last two weeks about how nobody remembers the Holocaust anymore, and there's still Holocaust survivors alive. You just ruined my life. That's terrible. Like, like, because it does, it does feel short, right? Because, like, theoretically, somebody could have lived through, like, somebody could have been old enough to know what was going on in the Clone Wars and lived through to the First Order conflict. Like, that's not, that's, like, that's not, wouldn't be shocking. Because that's, yeah. that's only a span of, what, 60, 65 years? I mean, Admiral Akbar. There you go. There you go. Admiral Akbar. Chewy. Chewy, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it does feel short, right? Like, it does, it, it feels like whiplash. And, and it, some of that's just a storytelling device because it's just what you got to do sometimes. But, I mean, I feel like our memories are shorter than we feel like they are. They're than we want to believe they are. Hmm. Totally. Um, it's funny, Kate, because you bring up Phasma, which I think is totally legit and, you know, mirrors most closely, like, the legend of all of this and storytelling through other people. But it's funny, the, the kind of thing I had, uh, from a certain point of view, kind of echoing in my head the whole time I was reading this. Oh, yeah. Um, just because, like, it, I mean, I don't. I don't know that I have a good point other than like it shows kind of what we, you know, we have a picture of the, some of, we don't have a picture of the events that happened in this book, right? These are all new to us. Um, But we do have a picture of like the outcome, like Luke losing the synthetic skin off of his uh, mechanical hand and kind of all, all that sort of stuff. Um, And I just kind of feel like it's like, kind of looking through a kaleidoscope to to get all of these different angles and and views of things um where it's like it's the same still image that's like producing this but um it's much different like through you know each each 
I don't know. This is a very tortured metaphor, but doesn't matter. You guys know what I'm talking about. I, I actually thought it was a great metaphor. That was that was lovely. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, I mean, just like it felt much more like um the what is the book that I just said? It felt much more like from a certain point of view than it did Phasma to me when I was reading it. That's interesting. I mean, I I, I mean, I think definitely the the short story sort of format, like the uh what do you call it? Episodic format of it definitely adds to that too. I totally agree with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like part of that's because Phasma we're supposed to be hearing an accurate account. I mean a, a potentially like flawed account from Vi, whereas from a certain point of view, like I always go back to um the the chapter about the modal nodes, uh the Cantina band. <laughs> uh and how it's from the dude's book and it's like the and 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 so there's just a bunch of shit being like i meant to do it the whole time and it's like very clearly self-aggrandizing that's oh, kind of yeah. always what i go back to with from a certain point of view where it's unreliable narrators and like here it's like we're playing telephone with unreliable narrators right. which is like and i know we're gonna get to this and how much actually happened but like it's basically taking the grain of salt you have to take with any first person telling and adding and multiplying that exponentially because the telling is getting botched by however many layers it's gone through. Right. I mean, you have that the first story that um, Dwogan tells where um, that person in the bar is telling this ridic- absolutely ridiculous story um, <laughs> about Luke and what actually happened. And they were actually like a gang of con men and stuff like that. And it was it just obviously that... The, the purpose of that story, obviously, is to show us how how much stories can get twisted over time. Um, also, sidebar, Keith, just because you said the word picture, can we give a shout out to the illustrator for doing a fucking phenomenal job? Because Oh, yeah, it was really fucking cool. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome. Just the, the whole, like, the design of the book was great, but also just those illustrations. Like, I was just like, I was like, oh, maybe I should read more middle grade because sometimes I get pretty pictures. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone have I mean, the book in front of them to call out that illustrator by name? Uh, I can look. Um, what I was going to say to go back to kind of like Kate's original question is, yes, it feels like a short amount of time, but I'm not surprised um, at this because of how much misinformation we've seen in the galaxy far, far away, especially like, you know, at Phasma and um, from a certain point of view, but just like, a bunch of other shit that's come out it's like we constantly see the misinformation and like the the playing of telephone and we see that there's no real like reliable news source um in the galaxy and it you know it's not it's not actually that surprising to me that like nobody knows what the fuck's going on right totally and i mean it's obviously a galaxy is a whole lot bigger than just getting news around one planet so <laughs> right illustrations by jg jones thank you for do you not know who they are but they're great yeah they are really really fucking talented i very much enjoyed mm-hmm. all the art um so oh i just reading from the outline then i've actually glanced at it um pulling out a, a quote from um Dwigan herself after she uh tells that opening story and all the kids and all the kids are like what the fuck we should have punched that person in the bar in the face that all that stuff can't be true that's ridiculous and Dugan says you asked for a story 
you asked for a story. Don't blame the teller if the story wasn't quite what you were expecting. So that's... LOL, 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 LOL. I know, just laying the foundation for the, the entire book. Um, so, Chris, going to your question of what actually happened, um, uh, usually we do social media shoutouts at the end, but uh, this question just kind of fit in here. Um, so... Out of anger at heart, Alex, longtime listener of the podcast, hi. Um, so she tweeted at us and she says, I really want to hear your opinions on how much of this is ca- much of this can be taken as this def- this is definitely what happened versus there's a grain of truth here somewhere. I mean, and, and we can talk about this. I don't think any of this happened. Well, it's tough. I think most of this did not happen. I think most of it's there is a grain of truth here at best. Mm-hmm. I think... You know, kind of similar to, again, what we talked about with a certain point of view. I think everybody telling these stories thinks that they're true. So, okay, this is going to be, this is going to kind of sound like a word comparison at first, but like, like, go with me on this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the fucking Bible, where... (laughs) No, 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 I'm with you. It's kind of like the Bible, where people are just like... Where it's all fake and in space? Uh... The beginning is... (laughs) The beginning is all fake and in space. Sure is. (laughs) All a big fake metaphor in space. (laughs) And there's giant whales. Accurate. Um, no, but no. <laughs> Sorry, we'll stop being dicks now. Oh my god. No, but in all seriousness, um, it, you know, obviously there are people who take it as literal. We call those people stupid. And there, and then there is, there are bits in there that really are true. So obviously, you know, from the New Testament, Jesus was a real historical person. But from the Old Testament, archaeologists keep looking for proof that there actually was a huge uh, global catastrophe in which a lot of the land flooded because there are so many stories in every single culture about there being a great flood. Um, So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, I think it's somewhere, everything lies somewhere in the middle and how large the scale is from one end to the other, I have no fucking idea. Um, for example, um, oh my gosh, I just had a brain fart about the the fishing. It's the, the fishing story. What is it called? I don't know. Oh, it's my I don't favorite know one. And I any don't of them are called. The, the one that they talk about the tide where yeah. Luke goes to this planet and tries to learn about the force. Everybody yeah. knows you're talking about. You're good. Okay. <laughs> well, it's the one where Luke goes to Luol and he um, meets Aya and um, Aya may or may not be the stowaway on the Wayward Current, but I think Get she- it? Because it's called the Wayward Current? Oh, man. I'm so upset now because I didn't notice that and Chris did. Sorry, continue. Can you, like, get out of here? <laughs> oh, fishing in the deluge. Thank you. I knew it was, like, fishing something, and I was just like, I don't want to say something weird about fishing. I don't know. Fishing's weird. <laughs> <laughs> fishing in the butthole. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Couldn't have been any weirder than that. Fixed it. <laughs> That's one word for it. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm We're very butt-centric on this pod. So uncomfortable now. Anyway, Kate was talking. <laughs> Why would you want to fish in someone's butthole? <laughs> you wouldn't. Maybe Maybe you lost something in there. I don't know. <laughs> That's when you go to the <laughs> hospital. I'm not saying it's a good idea. You asked why you might want to. 
Okay, one of my best friends is... Maybe you're at the <laughs> hospital. Maybe you're the doctor, Kate. Okay. Have you ever thought of that? Okay, see, one of my best friends is literally about to become an emergency room doctor. Like, that's what she's about to specialize in. And I just can't... Fish, fish in some buttholes. I can't wait for her to tell me about all the weird stuff people stuff up their buttholes that she has to, like, pull out. So, whatever. It's so real. I know, like, this... Like, anyway, sorry. Wow, that got off track. Sidebar... Butt sidebar nation. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm so sorry, Alex. Um, So, what the fuck was I saying? Oh, yeah, so that, so, you know, I, anyway, I think the stowaway on the ship is Aya. And so, um, obviously, she's retelling a story from her childhood, and it's been years, but I, I'm inclined to think that that one's truer than the other ones. And um, uh, Nancy Schwartz, who's going to be um, coming on the show in a bonus episode, along with... Um, um, at Shani Joy 26 um she pointed out to me that um she read Legends of Luke Skywalker before The Last Jedi and the 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 part where we're going through uh Ray's like following Luke around through his like crazy ass routine and he spears a fish and she she's just like how the fuck did you do that like yeah that I like my brain exploded <laughs> I for what it's yeah. worth I take I took that one a little more literally too um but if you'll notice that's the only one that's told by somebody who's actually there probably no the droid one was no the droid was told correct as it was told to the droid by a Isn't different droid who was dro- there no it's not the actual droid um oh Kristen, my bad. Like I also think that one might be true just because droids can't lie except for R2 right that's like, true but they can misunderstand Okay. Sure. I the Chris and I just the Chris and I disagree agree here. Like I agree with Kristen. Like I think no, okay. it's interesting. More true than who not. what other what droid told the story? I misinterpreted that whole thing cuz I'm also a misinterpreting droid apparently. It was a it was a little digging bot and her name was Zeta. Okay. Yeah. Dope. Sorry. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was that one was my favorite, unsurprising. Y'all know I love droids. <laughs> but I they really were in blue. Them. I know they were in blue. I mean, R two's blue. R two's blue. That's true. I was true. about to say, uh, Chris, come on. Mm-hmm. He was there being rude. <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> As he always R2. is. <laughs> I love how it's officially canon now that R two's a foul mouthed little shit. I know he is my rude king. I'm. I'm love R two. <laughs> I'm still mad that uh, he and Chopper didn't get more than one episode together because I just wanted them Aww. to be constantly having a droid fight. But you know. Yeah. Well, we know they're both in the rebellion. Droid fight. Droid fight. It's like, like or fighter. droid bullies. Droid bully posse. Oh, how dare you! No, they wouldn't. Okay, Chopper would, but R two wouldn't. I was gonna say I don't think R two would. Chopper, unless R2. it was unless it was three PO, like Luke specifically bullying three PO. Yes. Yo, whenever we go back to the Marvel comics, if uh, there's a, there's a really good one uh, starring R two D two just murdering legions of stormtroopers all by himself. Oh my god, R2! It's amazing. It's it's just so perfect. Oh, I think the illustrator for this book is a comic book person. Oh, that cool. would make sense. Yeah, I looked. I did a go- I did one Google, <laughs> as she does. Thank you. Yep. All right. Seems like a cool guy. He's an American like comic book artist. So nice. All right, Chris. This is your question. Does Canon matter? Yeah, I mean, then this is something we talked about. This is something we talked about a lot in a, from a certain point of view and a lot in Phasma. Um, this 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 question, does canon matter? And I don't know. And I feel like 
at a certain point, that's kind of above my pay grade to answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I can answer for myself. You need, I, like, Pablo Hidalgo money. No, it's not even that. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, I mean, hey, if anybody wants to pay me Pablo Hidalgo money, go for it. <laughs> We're completely, completely Hidalgo making Hidalgo up money. what Pablo Hidalgo makes. But, um. <laughs> He's important. <laughs> um, but. no, he works at Disney. They got money. <laughs> that's true. I, you're not wrong. But, I mean, I. Can it, I think it's different for everyone, you know, like to me, Canon matters. And because that was, you know, one of my driving things in encouraging us to start the podcast and like trying to, you know, make sense of the Canon and how it all fits together. I know and Kate weigh in if I'm in, misinterpreting you, but I think Canon matters less to you than it does to me. And I think there's plenty of, uh, there, there's plenty of really interesting societal and gender-based and fandom-based reasons why that is, why you as a woman of color are less concerned with canon, while myself as a cishet white man, I'm more concerned with canon. That, and I literally wrote my thesis on this. Yeah. So. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Like, academic. Um, but so I feel like it's different. Like, to some people, canon matters. But, like, does canon have to, Like, I feel like it's the whole, like, Legends thing. Like, no one's saying you can't enjoy Legends, the... This is going to get confusing. The Legends books of the... Uh, the former in the Star extended Wars. universe. Thank you. The former extended universe. No one's saying you can't enjoy those. Nobody's saying you can't enjoy Legends of Luke Skywalker just because they're not 100% factual. You know? We, we may have said in the past that if you enjoyed the Space Otter Han Solo book that maybe that was questionable, but... Right, yes. But other <laughs> than that, you backpedal know. from that. <laughs> Um, yeah, if I, I actually, yeah, if you want to, I'm not going to get into this again, because there's so much to get through with this book. Um, but if you want to hear me talk about, um, storytelling and, you know, quote unquote, truth in fiction, I think on the wrap up for our discussion of, from a certain point of view, I talked a lot about that mm -hmm. and my thesis. So if you want, want to hear more nerd talk on that, then definitely go give that a listen yeah yeah it's really fun we had a lot of fun doing from a certain point of view like of course because it's the shit but also kate has lots of expertise so that was very very cool to have her talk about stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. and for me just to leave us on the, leave this point with one thing for me personally canon you know i've said i care about canon to me canon matters i think that the stories in here are canon in that it's canon that people across the galaxy think these types of things about Luke Skywalker. It's canon that people are sitting around the camp, the metaphorical or literal campfires and telling stories about the exploits of Luke Skywalker that they heard third or fourth hand from sketchy people. Totally. And like those stories, like we see at the end of the last Jedi where the children are telling stories and there's a little Luke Skywalker figurine. Yeah. Like it's the exact same thing. I, I think that aspect of it, that these stories are going around in this universe, is canon. I, I love that you tied it into the the Lost Jedi epilogue because when I started reading this book and I and I and I knew it was kids on the ship, I, my first question for you was, "Oh, are these the the kids from Canto Bite?" The answer is no. I know. But... I was looking out for it, <laughs> but it was still cool. I was looking out for Broom Boy. <laughs> Broom Boy is the best. Um, that actually segues really well, I think, into what Kate wanted to talk about um next which is kind of like 
the quote-unquote real Luke or like who Luke is in canon versus the legend of Luke Skywalker just to use the the title of the actual book um and what you know what this can or should or maybe doesn't depending on her point um (laughs) teach us about who Luke is um versus like what does it teach us about who the legend is right exactly um so we get that that bit of course where Luke's talking to Ray about how disillusioned he got um, and how um, him becoming a legend actually hindered him, um, first of all, because of his his hubris and also people just being like, oh, you're a Jedi, you're Luke Skywalker, you can do literally anything. Um, and of course, that's what he thinks the Resistance expects of him, like to, to as he says, a face down the First Order with a laser sword. <laughs> um, so... Um, I think the, these stories are really interesting because they get, they really, um, touch on different facets of Luke's personality that we see throughout the original trilogy. Um, but not necessarily things that we all, that we see all in one place. So, um, you know, we've got a little bit of grumpy hermit Luke, even in the version of Luke, um, post-Battle of Jakku. Um, we've got you know, really, um, calm, calm, serene, um, super, super model Jedi Luke that we get at, um, the beginning of Return of the Jedi when he's talking to Jabba in, um, the story where he's trapped in the space worm with the, uh, biologist. Um, and then of course we get, um, um, cocky, quippy, quippy Luke with, with his weird plans for busting his friends out of places in the story about the droids. So, um, (laughs) it really, it really does feel like there's, um, a grain of of him in at the heart of every one of these stories. Chris, why are you laughing? Just yet another ill-conceived, didn't make any damn sense plot to rescue people. <laughs> I know, right? That's what I was like, thinking the whole time. He's and he's so like not subtle with his like racing stripes on everything. I'm like, <laughs> you fucking hoe. I know, he's so extra. Red five, motherfucker. <laughs> um so Obviously, you know, we, we, we've seen the original trilogy, um, so we have the, the quote-unquote truth about um, Luke and who he is, but what do we think that, just based on these stories, what do we think that people think Luke is, or who he is, and when he's talking about, in The Last Jedi, about being a legend, what exactly is his legend and what does he represent for other people? To me, he, I really go back to what we see of Luke in Battlefront 2. Um, and this is, mm. uh, which we talked about just a couple episodes ago, but uh, the level where you actually get to play as Luke on Pilio. And that version of Luke is very soft-spoken and reticent and philosophical and really doesn't want to do violence and is being forced into it. And just very, like, comes off as very... No, and I don't I don't say this in the way it is usually in the context it is usually meant, but very holier than thou in a serious way. Like he is he is on a different plane than everyone else. Yeah, he's like he's 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 hit Nirvana, you know. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's like he's Buddha like. It's interesting. Yeah, like yeah. he's just Zen like. Exactly. That's, that's that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he comes off like as very seeker like, even though like he's mm-hmm. just trying to learn everything that he can from every experience and everything around him Mm -hmm. um and even though like he's not 
quite learning lessons. I get that vibe from him still in like the battlefront thingy. Yeah, I mean he's with him. yeah. I mean he's on this his this journey to find all these places that are powerful in the forest, and of course that's what leads him to Pileo. Um, I I we can maybe assume that's what leads him to Jakku. Um, and of course that's where he gets the supposedly got the compass to even find Pileo. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's I feel like that's what people think of him. Like we were, you know, you that asked, he's almost like a saint. Yeah, that he, yeah, exactly, that he's holy. Yeah, exactly, because because the Jedi cultivated that image, right? Like, and sure. the people who do remember the Jedi have, you know, them being gone makes them almost more mythical. And they're a religion. And they and they're a religion, exactly. And so I feel like what we learn from these stories is that he's, you know, that that he's human. Certainly, you know, particularly, like you said, in the, the last story when they're in the Exitorp. Exit Is that what the space worms are called? Yes. <laughs> when they're in the Exitorp sure. or the level or the level, Jesus, uh, <laughs> the story where he's rescuing R2 and like almost dies because it's an ill-conceived fucking plan. <laughs> and like the fuck he drops the fucking such lightsaber. A, such a hot fucking mess. Oh, guys need to stop dropping their lightsabers jesus i know right just fucking double stick tape motherfuckers <laughs> um um but i feel like my we master's get... gonna kill me yeah. <laughs> fuck uh, that movie uh, <laughs> not again um sorry god yeah i'm lost i'm lost um oh uh, no, no 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 you're fine um <laughs> But yeah, I feel like why why am I on this podcast? It's not to quote the prequel. <laughs> exactly. Um but I do feel like we we learn more about Luke who has kind of in the new canon been left mysterious. Like I feel like that's an been an intentional thing and part of that was to lead up to the last Jedi so nobody would know what was going on with him like and and it would be a surprise in the, you know, trailer when he said the Jedi have to end. Um but I do feel like, to the reader, what we know of Luke is the legend of Luke Skywalker, and we don't know the real Luke Skywalker, and we start to maybe get it in this book. Right. What's interesting to me is that you know, we see Fats as one of the. I think one of the one of the problems that people had with the Last Jedi is they didn't like Luke's character arc because um, they seem to feel like he got to the certain point of Jedi ness or whatever you want to call it at the end of Return of the Jedi. And, again, he is sent into this higher plane or whatever, and he always is the Luke you see on Pilio in Battlefront. Uh, whereas in these stories, you see him really struggling to remember the lessons he's been taught and to, and to let go and all of these things. And so um, I really, it's, it's interesting that, I think you're right about how the rest of the galaxy sees him. Um, but it's interesting, like, just reading the reading the book, you know, as readers and consumers of Star Wars media to see that um, it's, it really does suggest a character arc for him where he it's a lifelong struggle for him to learn how to let go and to, and to trust and, um, you know, to just believe in people rather than being afraid. Which I feel like is perfect for him because, like, it's, I mean, it's a lifelong struggle for him. It's a lifelong struggle for Yoda, and Yoda's 900 years old, like... Like we find out in the Clone Wars and 
to an extent in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi that Yoda's not a perfect Jedi. So it makes sense that Luke wouldn't be a perfect Jedi after three years where he had a master for approximately three weeks over the course <laughs> of those three years. Like, you know, like... Right, totally. I feel like, and I feel like that's what this book is showing us. It's showing us the person, the very fallible human person behind the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I'm glad that we read this just because it totally doesn't surprise me that Luke is trying to learn as much as he can about the force. Um, And I think that's really something that's like been present in him, like throughout everything. I think he's always been kind of like a seeker and um, sought to learn as much as he could. Um, And like has always wanted to kind of, I mean, I think, like, in a way, he still feels like he's fulfilling his, like, promise to Yoda that he'll, like, finish his training. Yeah. It's just that, like, now, instead of learning as much as he can about, like, the Jedi, he's, like, broadening his scope and saying, okay, what about, like, learning all I can about the Force from everyone? Right. It's almost like he's taken on this mantle knowing that the Jedi Order was wiped out and all that history is wiped out with him to just, like, be a sponge and turn into the Jedi archives. And the tree... Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Force. Okay, guys. So let's talk about weird Force shit in this book. Because. Yeah. All right. The Tide. The Tide. All right. Um, so we get some interesting information on how people view the nature of the Force in this book. And, of course, there's um, the Tide. And then there's the f- Mist Weavers. And literally my note is the Mist Weavers, what the fuck, some weird physics shit. So, um... Let's start with the tide because I think that's easier for us to talk about and then talk about what the fuck is with the Mist Weavers because that was definitely the mm-hmm. most, one of the most interesting parts of the book for me, but also I feel like my brain just like imploded on itself. So, all right. So that was t- some rebel shit. I know. <laughs> yeah, some, like, right. It was some like rebel slash clone war shit. Yeah, I was, I was gonna like, say, that are was some these going to be the... Are these going to be, like, the the Mortis people all over again? Oh, my God. I was so confused. I know. Because there were three of them. Yeah. Oh, that actually would have been cool, but whatever. <sighs> um, so, the Tide seems to be a more... I was going to say primitive, but that's fucking rude. Like, an earlier conception um, of what the Force is. Um, and I think we know that because the people on Lul have been there. Their civilization has existed for a really long time, and they... Um, have mostly um, not adopted um, technology. You know, they don't. They don't have ships. They don't have blasters. They still fish with their with their bird and their spear, and that's all they've got. Um, those bird things are cool, aren't they? I fucking love those things. I know. I was sad when the, the bird thing died. Me too. I was like, no lightning, bad. I know. It was like it was great. Just kick a dog, why don't you? Thanks, Ken Lou. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Um, so what I thought was really interesting is that, um, the way the Llewellyans saw it, the force is not good or evil, um, and it's not to be harnessed. It's just kind of there, which is absolutely opposite to, honestly, to what the Jedi teach. So, um, I guess, I don't want to ask who's right in that because the force is like all kinds of things, but like, which um conception of it do you feel like you align yourself with more like and what's more a more useful way to frame it i guess i don't know that i, I mean sorry go ahead Kristen. If, 
I was just going to say, if Yoda was here, he would tell us that it's all the Force. I don't know that I agree that shit. it's that these are <laughs> different conceptions of the Force. Okay. I think that... I, I see it as they're not different. And I feel like we get that from the fact that Luke learns so much, right? About the tide while he's there. And like, it's not like he's... Un- well, he is supposed to unlearn what he's learned. But it's not like he's unlearning what he's learned about the Force. He's just learning different ways to harness it. And to me, I kind of... But their philosophies are completely different. He's not supposed to harness anything. That's true, but... Exactly. He isn't supposed to harness anything. And the Jedi don't harness anything either. Because the Jedi never... Like, the the conception of the, for, of the Force... The, the conception of the Tide is very similar to kind of the more traditional Jedi usage of the force as opposed to the sith who use the force as a weapon whereas the jedi kind of you know are are controlled by the force we're gonna we're we're gonna let's we're we're gonna talk more about this when we read dark disciple next trust me okay um it's just interesting to me because like i feel like the jedi don't actively like try to use the force but they channel it Whereas, for me, the Llewellyans, they more see the Force as, you know, fate or something. It's, That's fair. Yeah. So. That's true. Uh, there is there is a more active channeling of the Force from the that you see from the Jedi. But to me, it's... I, I feel like at the root, it is all the same thing. Like, to me, I kind of got it as... Uh, this is this is all Kristen. All the, all the buzzing on my phone is Kristen or Shannon. <laughs> Sorry. And at... And yeah, put your phone on silent, Chris. Make it not buzz. Um, We're literally talking about Legends of Blue Skywalker on Twitter right now. Chris, eat my ass. Why do you never turn your phone off? Anyway, Keeks, what do you think? I mean, as you always, I kind of split the difference. I mean, I wasn't really kidding when I said Yoda would say all of these things are the same. Sure. Because I think like, just because I think it's kind of semantics at some point to say like wielding the force versus not because when we see uh, what's her name Aya Aya yeah Aya okay when we see Aya fishing like in the beginning before Luke gets there and saves her like what she's doing is very much like meditative and like what we've seen Jedi do during like battle or you know what whatever it is they're doing um, I mean, I think it's different, but I think it's very much like slowing oneself down and like letting oneself go um, in order to like have the force work through you. Um, and I mean, like you could say that that is wielding the force to like catch a fish, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like that doesn't seem so much different than um, I don't know, like what we see Luke doing closer to to like the middle of that story when he's going through like the trials. Um, but I think he's like, he learns to open himself up. You know, he returns to that lesson. I think um, like, I think that's very much something like Yoda would have taught him. It's like, we don't wield the force. We like open ourselves up yeah. to its actions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that was, that was, that was very, that was very nicely wrapped up. <laughs> I thought, no, <laughs> no, that was good. Can we talk about the Mistweavers? Yeah, that was yeah. weird. Okay, so as far as I understand... Okay, this is going to be one of the, the rare rare times in this podcast where I, I, I need to, like, actually, like, 
figure out what the fuck happened <laughs> as opposed to just analyze it because what the hell that was weird so as far as i can understand they are again early force users who took the f so basically got stuck in this fucking space worm took the force wove it into this physical thing made themselves a pocket universe and have been living in there Right? Yeah, apparently, like, Seems so, th th their species w were were able to cocoon? Is this what I'm understanding? Uh, one of them was a human, I think. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't <sighs> take it as a species thing. I took it as a, they were so strong with the force that they were able to uh, kind of freeze themselves in time. Right. Wow, weird force shit that is unclear. <laughs> right. So, they just basically made this whole pocket universe where time went a whole lot more slowly, and they've just been there for, like, what, a million, billion years, basically? Oh, yeah. The, uh, Thousands? At least a thousand. Right. So, uh, for, Sorry, more than a thousand, because... Before the Jedi. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's, I guess it's most analogous to um, the Mortis gods, because you can't actually find Mortis unless they want you to, right? Yeah. It's, otherwise, it's, it's just not there. It exists in its own whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, they were like explaining the statues, and I was like, "What are their hands doing?" I know, I was so fucking scared. <laughs> what are their hands doing? Is it Mortis? I know, me too. <laughs> oh my god, there's just so many world, um, world between world flashbacks to Rebels. Um, so, as we were saying, we were kind of joking that it's this is sounds like some weird Rebel shit, but honestly, um, the Clone Wars and Rebels have kind of expanded. Our conceptions of what the force is and what it can do and who lives in it i guess and can so use lives it. Yes. oh my god sorry that is correct <laughs> um but this is this is this is one of those examples i think that does sort of does the same thing so what what is this doing here like what is it what is it what i what is it what does it mean what is it trying to do <laughs> I think it's trying to stretch our understanding of the Force and remind us that we know fucking nothing. I agree. I, I think it's just... Yeah. I got nothing. Right. Okay. I mean, like, I think there was... Because that was the last story, right? Yes. Yeah. I think that there was, like, a... Uh, there's a reason that it was the last story, and it was to remind us that, like, hey, there's all the shit that we learned about the Force, and, like, Luke is trying to learn about the Force throughout this, and then, like... JK, you know nothing. It mystical. Which is which is kind of fair enough because it kind of parallels the biologist's journey. Then I guess. Yep. Just, yeah. Okay. Okay. Agree. Yeah, and I feel like it ties in very well to Last Jedi because Last Jedi, the whole, like the 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 whole point of Last Jedi is that the Force is so much more than something that the Jedi use to make rocks float. Yes. Like. You want? I know you wanted to talk more about that, Chris. And tie it into a Last Jedi quote. Sure did. Um, but just the concept that the, the Force is so much more. And so much more than the Jedi, too. And, like, you know, we have that quote from Luke when he's training, when he's giving Rey her first lesson. You know, to say that if the Jedi and the light dies, it's vanity. And, or, that, that may not be an exact quote. I apologize. But, you know, I think it really is... It's close. It's good. <laughs> um, but But I think it really is true because... Like, the Jedi, you know, it's... All Jedi are Force users. Not all Force users are Jedi. Not all Force users wield the Force. Not all Force users 
like have the same conception of the force that the Jedi do or that we do. Like it's all the Jedi, you know, we get the the best view yet that the Jedi truly were a religion. Like it was a specific sect of people that happened to win, it would appear. You know, whether, you know, and we don't know enough about the early years of the galaxy and the force to know what form that winning took. Wait, wait, Chris, do, do, do you want them to bring back KOTOR? No, I don't want... <laughs> oh, my God. All right, side, sidebar nation for a sec. For, for a sec. I don't want them to bring back KOTOR. I do want to know what happened in the Old Republic and the Rise of the Jedi. I don't want them to, re, like, reboot the same... Like, the, do the same stories. I want, like, new stories because... Some of us didn't play KOTOR, and some of us don't know what happened then. You, you and know, Rant. You know I had to bait you. I Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go on. Um, but yeah, so just... I This is all to say that, Kristen, I completely agree with you in that. I think it is to show us the vast scope of the galaxy and the fact that the Force is equally as varied and as infinite as space. Hell yeah, it is. The Force is fucking cool. Sometimes you use it to fly through space and talk to your brother. What? What? Oh. Leia. Yes. <laughs> flying through space and talking to her brother. That's what you basically use the force for. Oh, okay. Accurate. Sorry. I was just like, did you did you have a brain My aneurysm about? references. <laughs> fry a chip, Keeks? <laughs> uh, Kylo Ren is not her. his brother. Oh. Um, but no, and I feel like to add to add one more thing, I like I feel like the force is what sets star wars apart from any other sci-fi right because like it's very clearly not star trek because the physics doesn't make sense and like the whole point of star trek is that it it literally could happen in two three hundred years don't at me um (laughs) i don't know that timeline well enough um but like the whole point of star wars is it is it is not in our galaxy it is in a galaxy far far away where all of this mystical shit is possible and it and the rules do, and the the rules are made up and the points don't matter because of the force and i feel like that's what this story was like it was just one last oh and if you think you figured it out fuck you sure i just uh i love weird force shit and i always want more of it but also like i just they're never going to explain these things to me because of reasons you just said but i want i want to know how how the how the things work cuz they're all Woo-woo and weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every once in a while, I think they throw us a bone, Kate, so true. we'll just continue to hope. Well, whatever the fuck Dave Filoni does this new show. Yep. Yeah, because he's so good at explaining things. Oh my god, shut up. Uh, <laughs> we already did this rant. All right. Um, very briefly, um, going wider, I just wanted to um, talk about the form of the book, and just to say... Um, that beyond what we were talking about, about, um, you know, how these are oral histories, these are, um, basically a bunch of, um, folkloric stories. Uh, I was super impressed by Ken Liu's writing, not only because it was just like good and it was an enjoyable book, but because every single story has a different feel and a different literary, literary style. And I was just, I was just blown away by how he was able to adopt all of those different voices and yet tie everything together. Yeah, I mean, I think the form of the book really helped that, right? I think it was, like, very smart of him to... I mean, that's kind of how you have to do a Legends book is with, like, interludes and, like, these, like, kind of episodic writing. But I totally agree that 
what a fucking cool thing that he was able to like change tone and like narrators so like flawlessly and and really get like a different feel for each story yeah absolutely um Pamela's, Pamela's never gonna listen to this but um i would love to ask him how he got into all, all those different headspaces for this book and yet like just keep luke central and his character just really um consistent and in the forefront yeah absolutely and and that's the, i feel like this has to have been such a hard book to write because it's such a fine line of trying to walk those different personalities and make it a cohesive book, but also make it different enough to have a point. And I and 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 I do I do feel you know I, if if you haven't gotten the sense yet that I feel like this book had a point, like <laughs> I do feel like this book had a point, and I that's you know it's it's such a hard it's it's basically writing from a certain point of view all by yourself. Right, exactly, which is which is fucking incredible. Like I don't. I don't know how you even conceive of something like this to just write it by your by your lonesome. That's it's just fucking wild. I just, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so impressed with this book. Thank you, um, Shannon, for super super pushing us to read it because um, I pre- I'm pretty sure she was poking us with a stick for over like several weeks, and finally we we're like, all right, we'll do a poll and we'll see what people say. And everybody's like, if you don't read this book, we'll die. And we're like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. One last point um, about the book itself, of course, as we said before, this is a a middle grade book um and uh chris i think it was you who pointed out to me that there's some stuff in here that um just it, it seems a little a little bit sh- shocking to be having kids read about um especially uh when you're reading uh the story about the aftermath of the battle of jakku where um the uh, narrator, the survivor, pops out of his um, escape pod and he's just like, oh, look at all these corpses. Isn't this great? Yeah, and fucking like severed heads and shit. Yeah, it was crazy. So, um, so, which is, which is interesting um, because I think this, obviously this goes back to questions of, um, you know, what, what children, what kinds of media children should be consuming um, and who gets a say in that and, um, censorship and banned books and all that. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, like, Chris, would you feel comfortable giving this book to, like, an average, um, you know, grade six to eight? Oh, yeah. Kid? Okay. I mean, I, I'm not, I grew up playing video games and that whole fiasco of people trying to blame gun violence on video games. And, oh, God. So, yeah. like, I'm, I'm very, anti you know this sh- like i'm very anti it's the media's fault that all our kids are shooting people like <laughs> i don't i don't like that viewpoint um but i mean i think you know it goes back to star wars is a story for 10 year olds as george lucas said in which like 20 people die in the first five minutes or something true like like 50 at least 50 percent of the people on screen die in the first five minutes right but i think like we're kind of used to like almost cartoonish violence you don't really see yeah gross shit yeah i feel like the graphic aspects of the jaku story stood out sure like you were saying yeah and i mean i don't know i i almost think i almost think sometimes in some ways it's better to not sugarcoat it for kids like people always think that kids can't take this kind of shit and it's like well this is this is how it is like i feel like kids are have have a lot more capacity to understand than people give them credit for a lot of the time 
Also, kids read shit that they're not supposed to read constantly. Oh, hell yes. Do you remember how much porn I was reading when I was like in high school? <laughs> so, just so much. Uh, so much. There was a lot of porn I was reading when I was 15. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also a little bit biased because I'm, I'm speaking as a, as a person who was a pretty precocious reader when I was a kid. Um, Chris always makes fun of me because I hated like quote unquote normal children's books. So um, we were talking about this again yesterday about how um, I hate Dr. Seuss books. I didn't like them when I was a kid. Oh my I thought God. they were stupid. Um, you did not like them in a box. You did not like them with a fox. Chris, I don't like you and I'm going to throw you off the balcony. Jesus. Anyway. You were a precocious reader. Continue. I was. And so, and so I was just like reading like, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this is a gloat. I was just like reading above my grade level because like, I just, just, I just this is, this is how my brain worked when I was a child because I was 80, I came out of the womb 80 years old, apparently. Um, so like, the, so like reading this kind of thing, I would have been like, probably like a little bit younger than you're supposed to be. I would have been like in fifth grade with this giant book and been like, this is fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, also, like, I love that. Right? And also, like, I was, like, trying to read Harry Potter when I was, like, eight years old. And there's so much child abuse in that book. Seriously. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Cakes? I don't know. Um, I, like, was so not a good reader when, I mean, I was, like, a fine reader. But my sister was, like, the reader of the family. And I was, like, I cannot be like this. Because she, like, would run into shit because she <laughs> had her nose in a book all the time. Which is, like, funny because, like, I love reading and now that I'm, like, a grown-up, I'm like, oh, yes, this. I wish I would have actually, like, acted on those instincts because I had very similar instincts, but I just, like, needed to differentiate myself from my sister. Sure. I was, because she was such, like, I mean, she's still, it's funny, she's still like this. This is, like, what makes her really good at what she does, but she's, like, very good at, like, hyper-focusing on something, mm -hmm. so, like, she would absolutely never notice if anything was going on around her while she was reading, whereas, like, I'm the opposite. I'm, like, pretty good at multitasking and, like, you know, can, can roll with the punches a, a bit more, and I, I'm generally not reading a book walking down the street when I'm eight. Uh, yeah, don't, don't, maybe don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm much more like traditional, you know, I read Harry Potter and all that shit and nothing, nothing too exciting. But I I mean, kids are smart. Kids are going to read whatever the fuck they want. I know. It's like... You're absolutely never going to stop them. I know. I mean, everybody like is just like, oh, I'm going to go get my kid a library card. I was like, do you know how many books I snuck from the library with my library card? Like that I like was just like this content was not appropriate. It's like... And also, like, my mom didn't understand what was going on because she didn't, like, I read a whole lot of fantasy when I was, when I was, when I was a kid. And so, and crazy shit happens in those books. It's, it's, it's like, it's the book, um, equivalent of how my grandpa let me watch The Simpsons because he was an immigrant and it was a cartoon and he <coughs> didn't understand the concept of cartoons for adults. So, and so he thought all cartoons were for children. And so he let me watch The Simpsons when I was, like, six years old. And now I'm like this. Bad. Bad. <laughs> bad and now i have an encyclopedic knowledge that like the first 11 or so seasons of the simpsons i made a simpsons joke at work today and nobody got it i was really mad you made a simpsons joke i did what was it it well we were it, it was something about we I, the conversation was about like going to the optometrist and like somebody was like talking about how like getting your pupils dilated and somebody who hadn't been to the optometrist was like really confused and i'm like no like like so-and-so just goes like to like a fucking back alley where somebody just pokes at his eyes just fucking like uh, like hollywood upstairs optometry clinic or something and nobody <laughs> nobody got it nobody got it i feel like that's a really deep reference but also it's funny um 
way to go that's beautiful also now i'm thinking about the episode where we thought mr burns was an alien have you ever seen that one i have not oh my god you're str- <laughs> um should we answer andrew's question yeah okay since he's t- shit talking chris on twitter right now is he really is he still oh kind of yes god bless <laughs> i don't know he just did like five minutes ago it's great i love andrew <laughs> all right um, a long-time listener, uh, dear friend, and advocate for all hamsters. Um, at Andrew Beanesh, he asked us, or left us this comment and then a question. Um, Lately, I've been thinking a lot about the sequencing of book releases and film releases, especially regarding Phasma's loyalties, and um, I'm not going to read the second one because I don't want to spoil people for um, other Aftermath books. Um, but... Andrew, you know, yes. <laughs> um, how do you think reading this after seeing TLJ influenced your interpretations of the book? Um, I think I, for me, I think knowing what Luke's hangup was and also just seeing what the movie was trying to do with um, his character and the kind of just like breaking open um the the box around what people thought that Star Wars was. I think I was a lot more receptive to reading this book and understanding what the book was trying to do because it, it's it's playing with a lot of similar things. And I'm not sure that if I had read the book first that I would have enjoyed it as much. And also I feel I also feel like I would have gone into the movie with all this stuff in my head, sat down and watched the movie, which is already you know jam packed, and just been like, what? <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. I'm like, yes, I get. Th- so was this like technically part of the lead up? Mm-hmm. Yes. It, Is that how they do it? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, um, so they, there was like journey to blah, blah, blah. So this was a journey to the last Jedi series. Of- right. Um, yeah, I'm glad I also, I'm also glad like it was so much more satisfying to like fill in the blanks later than to have a preconceived notion of like what Luke was going to be like in the last Jedi. Yeah. Totally. Or or to form a notion that wouldn't have wound up lining up with who he was in The Lost Jedi anyway, because honestly, in this book, he's pretty similar to who he is in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Um, Chris, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, because I know right now you're doing an experiment where um, you actually read the books um, as they c- and consuming all the media as they come out in order. So instead of waiting to read Last Shot before... Um, after seeing Solo, you're reading it beforehand because that's because it just came out like yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and I think we talked about I, I think I talked a little bit about this when we read Phasma about how it was my first time reading it because I didn't want to read it before Last Jedi um, how I was like trying to be very like as unspoiled as possible for the movies and yeah I I don't know I honestly don't know I don't know how I would have felt if I'd gone into Last Jedi having read this book I think I think I probably enjoyed it more reading it after Last Jedi, I think I probably enjoyed Last Jedi more and going into it completely blind as to who Luke is. Um, I think it would have been as jarring as Luke was to start. I think it would have been even more jarring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you, as you said, like, when we talk, we're going to talk about Last Shot after Solo comes out. Yeah, I kind of want to revisit this question for you yeah. um, after we see Solo and then read the book. Because, of course, I'm, I'm going to be doing it the other way around, so. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Oh, God, Last Shot's so good. I'm excited. Everyone go That's read Last I Shot heard. by Dana Jose Older. I'm so excited. Speaking of Last Shot, do we want to talk about Easter eggs? <laughs> nice! I'm just now doing just no segues. That's, that's just fucking <laughs> Love great. it. 
So yeah, Easter eggs. Uh, but that beautiful transition that Kristen gave us. Yep. Today. Um, <laughs> so, um, I kept a running list. You may have others that you found. Um, Keeks already mentioned um, the pos- um, how Luke lost the synthetic skin on his hand, and that's why it actually looks like a a mechanical hand that we see first in The Force Awakens. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, like, if that's the real reason that he was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I got other things to learn about the Force. Yes. Um, there's a mention um, in the first story, just basically word for word, um, Uncle Owen's line when he's scolding Luke about going to Tashi Station and you can waste time with your friends later. Um, somebody basically says that. Um, on Luol, uh, Aya mentions that there are tentacled whales, uh, which, uh, hello, hello, sounds hello. an awful lot like Purgle, who can't actually travel through hyperspace, so, I don't know, some related species, but not the same one. Um. We love space whales on this podcast. <laughs> sure do. Um, lots of, uh, luminous beings mentions, because this book. This book was, like, so well-written. It was just, like, beautiful. I was just like, oh my god, this is a middle-grade book. Um, and the Eternal. I forgot who had a bad feeling about this, but somebody said it. Oh, it was, like, I think several different okay. times. Oh, yeah. And then I think Luke says in, like, the last story, I don't have a bad feeling about yes, this. Yes, he does. Oh, my god. <laughs> Which is, like, what made me laugh. I was like, oh, my god. I died. Yeah. Especially after... I th- I, Especially, I, I especially think that ha- I think that happened after um, they got dumped in the fucking acid lake, and I was like, "God damn it! This is gonna be, everyone's gonna die," <laughs> except they're not. Um, yeah. Yeah, my favorite was um, in the first story after you know he tells the the story of the scam artists uh, of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and whatever. Uh, he says, don't even get me started on the story about how Darth Vader was actually Jar Jar Binks. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, Jesus. damn it. Darth Jar Jar lives. Love it. <laughs> yeah, the whole first story was like very funny and like full of shit like that. I know. Like, I it's it's one of those things where obviously kids are going to read this book and enjoy it. But there's plenty of stuff for adults, too. Yes, it's very, like, Shrek-like in that way. Totally. Totally. Yeah. All right, and I think that wraps us up. Uh, Next episode, we are going to be starting Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Uh, We're going to be reading chapters 1 through 13, so hope you'll read along with us. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, BookWarsPod on all those platforms. BookWarsPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, Right now, as you're listening, go leave us a rating and or a review on iTunes. Yeah, Miranda. Click click the button. Click the button. Oh, she rated it, but she absolutely hadn't before. So calling her out again. Yep. Oh, my. At Real Baby Bird, you're grounded. Uh, So rate and review us and the Touch Station Radio Mega Feed. And donate to the Tosh Station Radio Patreon if you are so inclined and have the ability. Uh, It really helps us cover our hosting and production costs. And speaking of which, as of today recording, um, but a few days ago as you're listening, uh, we now have a coffee account, uh, which is coffee.com slash bookwarspod, and it's uh, ko-fi.com 
slash bookwarspod, and that's another place where you can donate to the show to help us cover our costs. And it's it's nice if you just have a happen to have a few extra bucks that you feel like throwing our way. Um, the minimum amount is $3, and it's not subscription-based on, like, Patreon, so you can do it one month and then not give us any money for, like, three years and then give us some money after yeah, that. So if so. You, so if you think one episode's really funny, but you don't trust us to produce listenable content on a weekly basis, you can just... <laughs> you know throw throw us three dollars for that one episode <laughs> jesus uh, i would recommend it yep. anyway our theme song is whiz bang by poddington bear our logo and artwork are by joe butera design thank you so much for listening to episode 47 of the book horse pod and we'll talk to you next week and you're out there champ broke the chair guys um oh god <laughs> i'm fine do 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 do